Hello and welcome to Life of the School, episode 125. Hello, my name is Aaron Matthew, and I'm a biology teacher from Massachusetts. And on this episode of Life of the School, I'm going to sit down with Lee Ferguson from Texas and have an informal chat. We're going to call this a mini episode about the end of the summer and the start of the school year um, on the two different planets that we live in, one being planet Massachusetts and the other being planet Texas. Uh, <laughs> and we're going to do our best to avoid all the political landmines uh, because we had our pre-show conversation in order yes. to do that. We'll see how we'll see how that goes. Highly welcome back. Well, hello, hello. Yeah, I was going to say it's the summer has come to an abrupt end down here because a lot of us are starting school here in Texas. Um, I know, uh, I know one district locally started last week with kids. Yeah. Um, but their calendar is is kind of different in that they they operate on what's called an intercession calendar, which they started last year. You know, in light of the pandemic, mm-hmm. where they. They go until, I think, October, and then they have a two-week break in October. Yeah. And then they go to Christmas, and then they think they have three weeks at Christmas, Mm -hmm. and then a two-week spring break, and then they go until, I think, the last of May. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that's not a bad way to go, but I don't want to be starting school in July. No, thanks. I'm good. (laughs) That's almost, I I know some California school districts that do, they basically, they say they kind of go year-round. Um, right, because they have they basically you know line up their calendars such that they do that they do two or three week breaks at various mm-hmm. times. Um, I certainly right. can see some advantages to it, but oh yeah, for sure, um, for sure. I mean, I, I think that Garland ISD is the is the district that has this particular calendar. I mean, and and the teachers I know who work there say they like that calendar a lot because they think it, they say that it's really nice to have that two weeks in the fall, you know, and especially we all know that October is like. October is the April of the fall <laughs> semester, right? Like it's rough, you know, because by that point, if you're, if you're, if you're down here, if you start in August, you know, you've been grinding for two months without much of a break and it can just be, you know, just, just a grind yeah. and you need that time off. Mm. You know, I know my district, we have, we get, um, they call it fair day here. <laughs> But it's Indigenous People's Day or Columbus Day, whichever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. And then the kids get the day after that as well. Oh, okay. And so they have like a four-day weekend where we have a three-day and then we have professional development that very next Mm -hmm. day. So um, it's, it's, I mean, I like our calendar. I'm just grateful for the week of Thanksgiving. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We don't, we do not get that. And um, we do, Mm. we have a... We we have a half day the day before Thanksgiving, uh, with like uh, like which is with like a, and there's all kinds of traditions that have been morphed and changed and aren't transitions. But mm-hmm. oh gosh, I it is my like of all I hate half days in general. Like yeah, let's go to school or not go to school. Right. <laughs> like, as far as I'm concerned, half days are the worst. Um, well, and you know it's funny that you say that because we have half days built into our calendar too, and they always are the prelude to a holiday. Mm-hmm. So for example, the day before Thanksgiving break is a half day for us. The day before Christmas break is a half day for us. But that one's a half day by default because it's finals. Yeah. Day before spring break, half day. 
you know, and I'm, and I'm okay with it. It just means we can't really plan yeah. much, yeah. you know, because a half day for us is, is now a 35 minute class period. Yeah. But, and, <laughs> so. I, and I don't mind, uh, I, I don't, we have, we're actually going to experiment this year with early release days where they've mm-hmm. built in a whole bunch of early release days into our calendar, which shorten our mm. classes down to, I think they're like 42s or something like that. But then we have like our faculty meetings are now going to be part of our day. Oh, okay. So the kids have early release, but, but you guys still have. And then we also okay. will have professional development time See, that runs throughout the year. that's smart. Yeah. And so, I think that's really smart. And so it's actually one of the, it's something that's been, can, it's, I don't want to say it's something that people have been fighting to. It's been something that has been uh, a, a, an ask that teachers have been asking for and administrators mm-hmm. have been asking for, but they haven't been able to figure it out. And suddenly last year when all of the rules went out of the the you know for the right. calendar. We ended up basically making our Wednesdays early release days all year for the mm-hmm. until, while we had our hybrid schedule, and then we mm-hmm. basically built in that we either had faculty meetings or department meetings or professional development time every Wednesday, so that we right. could collaborate and do that. And it and from that conversation spoke out of oh no, we, sh- we this should be part of the the work. And so they found right. a way to do it. They actually got rid of a few of our. We used to do like half day professional days throughout the year Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and so basically these are these early release days are like really a three-quarter day so rather than having like two or three half days we have Mm -hmm. like for every one of those we get like six early release days in the new format like it's they were very clever about how they did it and got their hours in there so i'm i'm excited to see that but i also don't mind a half day for a finals or a mid-year schedule like that's totally fine but like in my building when we have a half day they're like 20 minute periods (laughs) yeah i was gonna say well and for us like during final exam week four of those days are half days Mm. and it's because we're giving two finals a day yeah you know, and then the kids get released at, I think, one thirty or <laughs> wow. something like that. That sounds right. I don't remember. Yeah. I just know that the, the final exam schedule, you know, they usually publish it like in September or whatever, <laughs> but it's typically, you know, two hour blocks for each final exam so that you can give an exam that takes two hours or not. Yeah. Right. Like they're not telling you give a two hour exam, but if you need a two hour exam, you have two hours to do it in. And then the kids get a 10 minute passing period in between the the two exams you know so that they can kind of rest or whatever go get a snack and and then they go home and then we stay because we our day is still until 4 15 and so wow. you know it's finishing up grades it's all of that except for that very last day you know they're like all right you need to finish your grades by this time because uh <laughs> gotta, we're leaving it too <laughs> you gotta drive to your graduation <laughs> and i'm like you know i don't have you don't have to tell me twice <laughs> i was gonna say i'm glad to leave at two o'clock on a day of a final exam yeah you know so yeah well they actually got rid of mid-years and finals at my school a couple of years ago um they eliminated them uh, i kind of wish we'd had that direction yeah. i don't know that we will ever yeah. i mean they've been trying to move very slowly toward you know some sort of changes to the way we grade things and and all of this yeah. and um and you know in fact they were telling us you know at the beginning of one of the meetings that we had the you know last week you know about you know here are some changes we've made to uh you know, grading policy, you know, because the district, you know, where, where I work, you know, we have some grading regulations and, mm-hmm. and it, these regulations basically say, okay, this is how many, um, 
you know, this is what percentage a grade can count. It can't count more than 25% of a kid's grade, so on and so forth. Um, this is how many grades you have to have in a grading period. If you're teaching an on-level course, it's X number. And if you're teaching an <laughs> APIB, pre-AP course, it's this many. And, you know, they they really wanted to to emphasize that this year because in in collecting data last year on various grade books, you know, because admins have rights to see everyone's grade book. They were noticing that there was a huge disparity in how te- how many grades teachers took. Yeah. So there were some teachers that it would only take the minimum, right? Like six for an AP or IB course, six in a grading period, which for us is nine weeks. Mm-hmm. But then there were some teachers that were taking 60 <laughs> grades. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, there's only like 15 or 16 days yeah. in a grading period, right? <laughs> So they were and, they were putting a grade in for the do now. They were putting a grade in for the activity. Yes, they were doing a. They, they were, were grading yeah. everything, and, and I'm like, "What are you doing? Yeah, that's crazy, you know." Because if you think about it from a kid's perspective, if I'm in a class where that the teacher is taking sixty grades, yeah, hypothetically, I could get away with not doing a third of the work <laughs> and still demonstrate mastery by simply not doing anything. Yeah. You know, if mastery to us is 70%, right? Because in Texas, a 70 is is passing. Anything below that is not. And so, you know, it's it's amazing that people would do that to themselves, number one. (laughs) And number two, you know, that that kids wouldn't just rebel against that and revolt against that. I'm like, what? 60 assignments? That's crazy. So they basically came back to us and said, you cannot take more than 15 grades in a grading period. I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, not that we ever approach that, you know, on my team, we try to stick between like seven and 10 is where we tend to, to cruise between those two numbers, just because we want our assignments that are graded to have meaning, right? Like we want those grades to be some kind of meaningful instead of, oh, here, we're just taking a grade just because we have to. Yeah. We don't have a, we don't have a ceiling, but I will also say last year, I remember you saying this on a previous episode. I think it was the Mm -hmm. one where we did on grading. And I, I realized that last year because of the way I graded my honors bio class, I was, I was, I had so many, like if you picked up my grade book, you'd be like, he's nuts. He's got all of these things. But like, it was a lot of these things where we had, you know, a synchronous assignment and asynchronous assignment. And a lot of these things were like literally just sort of like equivalent of checkmark kind of thing. Right. And, and mm-hmm. what, what happened is that like the week's worth of assignments were worth almost nothing. They were like little, like right. five points here, five points here, five points here. And then there would be like a major assignment every two or three weeks that would be mm-hmm. worth a ton. But, you know, I, I'm sort of in an in-between space because I, I was doing a very ungrading philosophy with my APs, but I don't mm-hmm. care about the points. So for me, it was like, right. my and my grade book in honors was kind of, it was, I, my, my grade books looked like both of the grade books you're describing. If you looked at my AP, it looked like one thing because it was a philosophy mm-hmm. of, uh, you mm-hmm. know, I would say I probably had in a marking period, probably about 12 or so, you know, between nine and 12, depending on what quarter it was. Um, mm-hmm. but as opposed to in my, in my honors classes, it was, I was probably grading like six or seven things a week, but mm-hmm. of those six or seven things, they were like, they were like literally just sort of, yeah, like they didn't count. They didn't yeah, count for anything. Like, count for much. Yeah. yeah. It was like seven assignments worth like 
35 points. Um, so like, can I ask you a question yeah. just real quick? Cause I don't know that I've ever asked you this. How long are your grading periods? Like, are you six weeks, nine weeks? They're, How do you guys yeah, do it? So they're about, you know, they're, they're 45 days They're So, okay. so they're nine weeks on paper, but in reality that they, they end up being, they're not as, bo- okay. I don't think there's lockdown as yours. I think we just, I just looked at my calendar. Right. So for, for, so kind of like quarters. Yeah. Then. Basically we do a quarter yeah. schedule. Okay. So. Yeah. And we do too. We do too. I mean, and they are, truly nine week quarters. Yeah. yeah. But ours are not like with ours, with all the off days and stuff like that. It's, you know, mm-hmm. you can, it, like, I think the first quarter because of off days and, and various things, I think it happens over, it's more than 11 weeks from the first day and that, and, you know, with all the breaks and stuff like that. But yeah. And so we used to have that issue. Yeah. We have tons of breaks and we do not have our breaks strategically. Like you said, like we, yeah. we go to, you know, we have our December break and we come back and we have three more weeks of school that are part of quarter two mm-hmm. because we start later. We start three weeks later than you. And it's like all of right. these various things. And we have a February break. So we start our quarter three. We do like two, sometimes three weeks. And then we have a week off in February. And then we go all of March. And then usually the quarter three ends. And then we start quarter four. And then we have a week off in April because we have a February and an April break as opposed to a March break because we go so late. It, but it's like we're just on a totally different calendar. It's just it's it's a very different thing. Yeah, I was gonna say it's super different. But, I mean, but I've lived here my whole life, so like I say this, yeah. and it's like, yeah, this is what it is. Like for my entire life, we go to school right around the beginning of September. Like around here, when pe- we have to start in August, like we're starting in August this year, and people are like, and we're starting on August thirtieth. By the way, we're not starting. We're not starting mid. We're starting, and people are like, how are we going back before Labor Day? Like. In New England, in New England, it's like, it's like, why are we going back before Labor Day? Like, that's legit. That's mm-hmm. legit way people fe- are here. Well, and it's funny because it's literally a week before Labor Day. Yes. One week. You know, and I guess they think that that's like super early. In New England, summer ends on Labor Day weekend. Schools should start that's afterwards. So and so like, and it's a, ve- it is also very generational, um, not to pick on my older colleagues, but the I, right. I think I am of an age I am of the age that grew up, like when I grew up, we never went back to school. Like I never started school in August. We always, like all growing up Hmm. when I was a kid, you hit September, you had Labor Day, the Tuesday after Labor Day, you went back to school or the Wednesday because like Tuesday would be freshman Mm -hmm. orientation or if you were starting a new, Mm -hmm. a new, at a new building, you'd go there. And then, but so what we'll do is we'll go back. And so this year it's crazy. So we go back and we go Monday, Tuesday, Monday is freshman orientation. We go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then we will have Friday off because it's Labor Day weekend because people want to go away. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, there's a Jewish holiday on the Tuesday. So we yes. actually have a five day weekend. So we go, oh, wow. we go the, uh, my, my freshman will have four days, but everybody else will have three days, then a five day weekend, then a three day school week. Oh, and then the following week is when we have our first early release. It's like, like you look at our September calendar and it's like, I was going to say, are y'all even having school? <laughs> it sounds yeah, there like. is no rhythm. And, and this is always the case. Our September's because of the way our calendars are, and we do have, uh, we always have the Jewish holidays off because we we do we take lots of various other, like it, <laughs> there's we have like one full week of school in September, like that is it. Oh my gosh! And so like yeah, see, and you, and because you guys take the Jewish holidays off, see down here we don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy, you know. Which to me is odd, um, you know. Or, or when I learned that other places took those holidays off, I'm like, huh, yeah. what? And then I thought about it. I was like, oh wait. It's because the population of Jews down here is not probably nearly as concentrated. Yeah. 
Uh, as it is up there. And it, you know, and I will and, tell you, it depends on like, sometimes it's about your student population and sometimes it's about your mm-hmm. faculty population. Um, because really? yeah. Okay. And so like I've taught in huh. school districts, so, and it's not universal. Like we will, my student, my kids schools do not take them off. Okay. But my, my, the school I teach in does. And, and yeah, it's just a very, um, yeah, it's just a, it's quirky. It's a weird, like, and so it's, you know, this sort of gets us into it. It's like, we're getting, we're getting into it. I think we've sort of, sort of hit the, the, how do you feel about the start of the school year? In a lot of ways, yeah. we're talking like it's a beginning of a normal school year. Is, is that sort of how, right. is it's, that how it feels like to you? It's kind of weird. It does kind of feel that way, but I know that I have like a false sense of security mm. <laughs> about it being any kind of normal. Um, you know, because it's like I said before we started, you know, I'm I'm ready to get back to seeing kids. I'm ready to, you know, see kids and do science with them. I think that's the thing that I'm most excited about. Um, I I am I'm very cautious though about my excitement. Yeah. Um just because I know that, you know, this we can't treat this as though everything were normal. Mm. And you know, I don't want to to lull myself into a false sense of of normalcy, even though I know that, you know, I would like for it to be that way, yeah. you know, but I know it's not going to be. Um, but I just I really, you know, am am looking forward to meeting kids like I met two of my students today hmm. and, you know, because they had opened the building for kids to come and tour around. And in fact, one of the kids that I met has not stepped foot on a campus since March of 2020 was the last time he was in school. Um, You know, because I asked him, I said, well, were you at home all year last year or were you in person? He says, I was virtual. I said, so you've literally been on campus only three times in the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. You know, I said, you probably were here for PSAT. You were probably here for STAR. I said, okay, so two times. And he says, well, I took a class up here when I was a freshman. I said, okay, so you know kind of Mm -hmm. where stuff is, but we've had some construction. (laughs) And so they've they've changed some things around. And so he was coming up to kind of get the lay of the land and, and, you know, make sure he knew where all of his classes were before, you know, class started tomorrow. And so, you know, I was very excited, you know, to, to see the two kids that I saw and I was like, okay, it's going to be okay. I hope, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I hope, um, you know, I just, I'm, I'm anxious to meet them. You know, I know tonight I probably won't sleep, (laughs) you know, but I've always said to myself the night that I sleep like a rock and don't look forward to going to school the next day is probably when I need to retire. (laughs) And I have not lost that excitement for, you know, the start of school yet. Um, And I know that I'll probably retire before I get to that point because I don't ever want to lose that. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's just something, I don't know. It's the beginning of school has always been very exciting for me, even when I was a student, you know, even when I was a kid. And, you know, to your point about starting school after Labor Day, when I was a child, we started school the week before Labor Day. Yeah. So we would go to school for that week and then Labor Day off. Yeah. 
you know, and, you know, people are like, you already have a holiday off well, it's Labor Day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So we would start on August 28th. I, re- I don't know why I remember this, but August 28th, 1978 was my very first day of school <laughs> as a kindergartner. And like I said, I don't know why I remember that so clearly. And maybe it's because it was my entry into school, yeah. you know, and I, rem- I remember exactly you know, what my mom sent me to school with that day and (laughs) like this big plaid tote bag with all my school supplies in it. And I remember all of that very clearly. And and I remember my kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Epinet, she's still around, (laughs) lives in the town north of me. Um, She was a first year teacher that year. Yeah. And, you know, she, she later told me that. Um, um, She said, yeah, that was my first year teaching. We're like, what? Really? And she had stayed home to raise her children, and that's why it was her first year. So she was older. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, not she was older. T- when not she that started. you could tell when you're that age. <laughs> no, no, and not that you really paid any attention no. anyway. You know, it's just like, oh, my teacher has curly hair. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I mean, it's always been first day of school has always been very exciting for me, and 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 so you know, tomorrow when the kids come in. You know, I just, I want to make them feel welcome. I want to make them feel, you know, like this is a place they belong, that they can do science, that, you know, and I hope that all comes across. I mean, I know it's ambitious to think that that's all going to come across on the very first day (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, because I guess because like last year, since we didn't see many kids, and I mean, we started school remotely last year Mm. for the first three weeks. Um. So having the kids come back into campus three, you know, three weeks later, I think it's right before Labor Day, felt a little anticlimactic because they weren't all coming. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, because most, as, as you know, most of my students last year were remote. Yeah. Um, you know, so the fact that they're all going to be there this year, it's it's going to be nice to to have a full classroom. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that part will be nice. Um, how I will navigate that full classroom will be a little bit different. Yeah. Um, and I think the kids will know, you know, and I'm going to explain, look, Hey, you know, you know, that I told, you know, per my email (laughs) that I want to keep everybody safe, that that's my, that's part of my job. And, and I want to make sure that we have a safe place to learn every day. And so this is how I'm going to approach this. And, you know, I can't tell you that you have to, but I can encourage you. Yep to, you know, do these things, right? Like I've got soap and water for you. I've got hand sanitizer and Clorox wipes at your desk. Each table has their own bin of supplies that's not shared with anybody except for the people that sit at that table. Yeah. You know, so I'm trying to keep the kids as safe as I possibly can. Yeah. You know, given the circumstances. And so, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to trying a lot of new things with my students this year. You know, I, you know that I've been, you know, on this kind of starting the ungrading mm-hmm. journey. And I'm going to start with my IB kids because they are my singleton class. Um, I'm the only one that teaches that course. And my teammates are actually kind of looking at what I'm going to be doing to see, okay, is this something that we can scale for AP, right? Because I only have 18 kids in that class. And we've got about, gosh, I want to say we have 250 AP students this year. <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Um, And so, you know, they're kind of looking to me to see, okay, how does it go? How's it going for her? How is, is this manageable? Is, are there parts of this that we can do? Yeah. You know, with our AP students, you know, do we have to go all in, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. And so, I mean, because with my IB classes, I'm just like, all right, let's do this. We're going all in. Yeah. 
you know, and I, and I met with my, my new principal because I have a new direct supervisor this year. Um, and I said, look, Hey, I'm going to try this, you know, here's why I've done this learning over the summer, you know, I've been kind of reading about this and I've attended a workshop and I did all these things and, and she's like, go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, so she's very supportive and I'm very fortunate. Um, cause I know that there are a lot of people who don't have, you know, supportive administrators yeah. when they want to try something <laughs> that's completely, you know, so brand new and requires a huge paradigm shift. And in fact, I'm going to ease my students into it, you know, cause tomorrow is here. I've got to do all this required stuff from the school. I've got to, you know, get you to help, help me understand a little bit more about you. Um, all of that. You know, Thursday, we're going to do a team building activity because I see these kids every day, yeah. which is nice. So I'll see them every day for an hour. And then Friday, you know, our 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 lead off question is, what does learning look like to you? You know, what is the what is the best learning experience you've ever had and what did it look like? You know, and I'm, I know they're probably all going to talk about something school related, you know, even though I'm going to say, hey, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be something from school. Yeah. You know, and then we're going to talk about, okay, you know, so here's what this is going to look like for us. And here's how you're going to be assessed. And here's, you know, kind of the direction I'm headed with this. And I, I'm hopeful that they will see that really part of why this is better is because they're getting more information. They're getting more data because let's face it, you and I both know that a number means Jack, (laughs) right? It doesn't mean anything and, and without something behind it. And so I want to explain to them, Hey, look, you know, this is why I'm doing this. And I've borrowed a little bit of um, the way Paul assigns a numerical grade, you know, Paul Strode how he assigns a numerical grade because I was like, okay, logistically, I don't know what this is going to look like. I'll just borrow Paul's yeah, I, that's exactly <laughs> and we'll what try I it and, and, and tweak it. And, and, and if it doesn't work, then we'll find another way, Yeah, you know? So I'm excited to do those things with kids. And like I said before, I'm excited to try some new lab stuff with them. Like I'm developing a thing called biochemistry playground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I've seen some and, of your cards that you're working on. Yeah. So this is actually going to be a stations activity. You know how a lot of people do that McMush lab mm-hmm. where you're basically just testing the foods mm-hmm. for the different macromolecules. Okay. I don't love that lab. Not for AP. I just don't love it mm-hmm. because what does it show kids? Yeah. I mean, really and truly, what does it show kids? Yeah. yeah it's just demo. It's just a- Beyond lab technique. Yeah. You know, beyond lab it's technique, co- what does it it's show It's confirmational. Them? It's confirmation. Yeah, it's, it's not- right? it, you're, you're right. It's demo. It, it really is better as a demo. And so what my team and I decided was that we were going to incorporate several different labs into one. So we're going to borrow pieces of Bob Kuhn's banana carbohydrates lab, mm-hmm. um, the meat lab, the famous meat yep. lab that we did a few years ago. Um, Valerie Pierce has a lab about um, plant fats. Mm-hmm. And the different plant fats and and the relationship between the the plant fats and their environment. So, you know, having the kids look at the the melting points of each of the different fats and all of that kind of stuff. And then we're going to tie that to the structures of each of the molecules that are made, you know, that make up these, these compounds and get the kids to understand the relationship between structure and function. And we're going to get the kids to denature some egg whites. Um, You know, so we're going to basically have them cooking in class. (laughs) 
And so I'm looking forward to getting to try that with them um, just because something different, it's something active, it's something that they'll hopefully never forget. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh yeah, we cooked eggs and meat and looked at bananas and, yeah. you know, all this other stuff. So, you know, so I am looking forward to, there is a lot to look forward to, yeah. but like I said, my, my, my excitement is tempered with some caution, you know, just because. You know, I can only keep the kids as safe as they keep themselves. Well, and you're talking about you know? this thing that we didn't have, even when I did like lab. So the, the a lot of my labs I did last year, I transitioned them to take homes. So for example, mm -hmm. like the water potential lab I did, I gave kids instructions about how to make sugar solutions at home. Mm -hmm. And I gave them gummy bears and mm -hmm. I had them measure the gummy bears and sort of massing them instead of doing carrots. So like I did a lot of the labs, but I had them do them at home. The only lab I did in class was um, I did the uh, the yeast spheres enzyme lab mm -hmm. because I could make a billion yeast spheres and I it wasn't hard to get a you know a class set of you know sixteen graduated cylinders and enough dilute um, hydrogen peroxide around the room. Right. Like basically, I just set up sixteen lab stations because for my my class of thirty one in cohorts and on one day I did it with one group mm -hmm. and on the next day I did it with the other and so like the the idea the way you're talking about it is this idea of groups of kids around a table is something that mm -hmm. like literally has been gone even when I did have kids in the room and yeah. doing stuff that was it was very parallel play last year <laughs> it wasn't yeah. working together I mean, we couldn't really have groups either yeah. I mean we got to a point where we had pairs and they were seated far apart yeah but we really couldn't even do that. And then like for the, some of the labs, we took them outside, Yeah, you know, so that we could be out of doors, but that was dependent on the weather, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so it was, it was just, I don't gonna lie. It was miserable yeah. last year. <laughs> it really was. And I'm just glad to be getting back, like I said, to some kind of quote unquote normal. Yeah. And, you know, but we'll see. My concern is, and I, I said that for me is still, cause we're, you're like, we're, we're recording this. It's like the day before you have students in your room and I'm still three mm -hmm. weeks out uh, before that, these day that day hits me. Um, it's still very much a black box to me. It's very much a, I don't know, like we have not, we do not have, we do not have a governor making any proclamations, good or bad, about mask mandates. Yeah. We do not have any proclamations from the school about mask mandates, good or bad. Like we just, we don't have. We're we're far enough out that those kinds of things aren't just. As I said, my my students just populated my power school today. Like they weren't mm. there. They may be yesterday, but it's in the last day or two. Like they're just starting to do those things. And so there is a part of me who the this mass experiment that you guys are doing in the South about going back to school. Like I have this vision of group work <laughs> that is sort of normal. Uh, but would it shock me if in two weeks from now, based off of all of the schools in the South and in all over the parts of the country and things happening in schools, if case numbers go up in schools, which honestly, if people are don't have mask mandates and they're clustered around and you have high population amounts and low vaccination, like there's a huge unknown that's going to come in a couple of weeks. And even though yeah. we're in a very, we're a very compliant state and I would not be surprised if all my students wore masks if told and we, I'm going to have, I guarantee that I will have a higher population of vaccinated students than you will. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and that does, that would not surprise me in the yeah. least bit. I, it wouldn't. It really wouldn't. But, but at the same time, like I could totally see rules and decisions and spacing and all like none of that stuff has really been established yet. And like right. you said, cautiously optimistic. I have, I feel very much the same way, but I also know that, um, 
the the stuff is going to go on between now and when school starts. You're starting school and stuff's going to happen. Yeah. Like literally in, let's see, what is it? It's six o'clock now. <laughs> so 14 hours yeah. from now. Mm-hmm. You'll have you'll have <laughs> students in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there will be live children yeah. in my room, you know. So, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, yeah. I'll know really, I'll know better really like by Tuesday of next week, but when we will have had a full five days, yeah. you know, of, of kids yeah. with us, and I'm, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of weeks, you know, we see a huge spike mm-hmm. in cases. I mean, you know, we... um. We were told initially at the beginning of the year that there would be no contact tracing, that there would be no reporting mm-hmm. um, of a, of cases on a dashboard, right? Like they did last year and they were really good about it. Well, last night our school board had its, you know, it's one of its meetings that it holds during this month. And there were a lot of parents <laughs> there who were very, very concerned. Yeah. And express those concerns. And so they finally decided, okay, 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 we'll go ahead and contact trace. We'll go ahead and update a dashboard. And so I'm like, okay, well, those are small steps. It's it's good. But I'm, you know, and I'm just glad that parents are the ones that are speaking up, you know, because this is, these are their children. Yeah. You know, these are their kids, especially if they're, you know, as I told my principal today, I said, look, you know, I'm worried for, you know, people like you that have children under the age of 12. Yeah. You know, and my my colleagues that teach elementary school, oh, yeah. you know, and, and anybody who has children under 12 or who has somebody at home that has a health condition mm-hmm. that is, you know, be, that exacerbates COVID infection. Yeah. And and so it just it it worries me for all of those folks. And of course, I'm worried for myself and my husband because, yes, we have both been vaccinated. However, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're seeing now these breakthrough infections that are happening in vaccinated people. and. And, you know, you know, I, I, I keep seeing and hearing the argument that, well, the vaccine doesn't work. Well, mm-hmm. vaccines aren't 100% effective, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. and so it makes me wonder if I should counter that argument by saying, well, you know what? Condoms aren't 100% effective either. <laughs> it's a, it's a pretty <laughs> Condoms break. It's... Pills don't work yeah. <laughs> sometimes, you know, and people still get pregnant. Yeah. I actually remember talk, so. having this conversation with, uh, with my father and I told him, um, cause we, he was asking me about which vaccine to take and what all the efficacy numbers. And I was like, the only number you care about is hospitalizations and hospitalizations. death. And, and, yep. and, you know, he ended up getting the J and J and he was like, oh, well I mm-hmm. hear that's not as good. And I was like, hundred percent effective against hospitalizations and death. That is the only number yep. is that if you get yep. sick and don't have to go to the hospital and don't die, it was an effective vaccine. Then it did what it was supposed to do. <laughs> like that's yeah. that's your goal. That's your goal. It did goal. its job. It's a goal. I like, it I, I, I think I might have said something very callous, something along the lines of, I don't really care if you get sick. I just don't want you to go to the hospital and die. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I just don't want you to die, okay? Yeah, I think that is, that is a, but I'm also the kind of person who says people who don't get their flu shots hate old people and babies, um, which I've been told, which, I, which I've been told you're not supposed to say. Um <laughs> 
I'm sorry, that's hilarious. But that's, you know, as an asthmatic who gets pneumonia every time I get the flu, yeah, I was, was like, say, you know, what, if, yeah. if everyone would just go out and take the flu vaccine, it was like, because they had these numbers that was like, oh, the flu, the flu vaccine, it's not effective. It's not effective. We, you know what was super effective? Everyone wearing masks. So maybe we should mm-hmm. get rid of the flu vaccine and everyone has to wear yeah. masks from October 1 until May 1. Until, yeah. And I'll be. Until ever. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I mean, yeah. In fact, I said to my husband the other day, I said, I need to go get my flu shot. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny because it seems like every year I get it earlier well, and earlier. It has been creeping. You know, it has been creeping. Yeah. So I'll probably go actually in a couple of weeks and get my flu shot, yeah. you know, because last year I think I got it in September. Yeah, yeah. I got my flu shot in September last year. Yeah, I have a doctor's appointment in, it's either late September, early October. I was looking at my calendar and I, so I have a feeling that's when I'll get mine. Uh, I usually have one in the, I usually have a doctor's appointment in the fall and it's usually if I haven't, and my, my doctor has been beating the school because the school has a flu clinic that they usually run and I usually get it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's depends on which one, which happens first. I always get it one of the two. Um, but my doctor has right. been beating them the last few years, getting me earlier and earlier. I'm, I was like, does this mean I'm old? Um, <laughs> I'll just take it older. <laughs> Yes, Aaron, we're getting old. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it kind of sucks. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's let's talk about a couple of other quick things because I, I knew that we okay. were going to run long. Uh, so you're getting to know activities. Um, I know that we both mm-hmm. use Flipgrid. Um, yes. Yeah. I, you, you know, pronounce their names. You get to hear it. You can go back to practice. Right. I, I do the same thing. Yeah. And this is actually the first year that I'm, I'm doing it with pronunciation, you know, because in the assignment that I set up, you know, I tell the kids, look, your name is a very important thing mm-hmm. and your parents worked hard to pick this name for you. And I want to make sure I say it right. Yeah. You know, and if there's something else that you would rather me call you, please pronounce your name for me, yes. you know, so that I can know how to say your name and practice saying it yeah. and calling you by it, Yeah, you know? So, and then I have the, the standard, you know, um, student information sheet, although my student information sheet has some non-standard questions on it, <laughs> you know, like it asks them, um, this year it asked them, you know, were you virtual or in person last year? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what does it say? What concerns do you have about school this year and how can I reduce any anxiety that you might oh, have? A good one. Um, you know, because I want to know, you know, what, what can I do for you beyond the things that I've already got set up in my room mm-hmm. for you? You know, what can I do? Um, and then I think on the back, I asked them, you know, what are your plans for after graduation? If you're going to college, where do you think you'll go? If you don't, what do you think you'll do? Um, and then the last question is, you're a musician in a band. Um, are you playing an instrument? Are you singing? Mm-hmm. And what kind of music does your band play? What is your band's name? <laughs> and well, so it's always, to me, that's always an interesting question to to see the responses to because you can kind of tell who your kids are that are really outgoing because they're usually the lead singer, yeah. <laughs> right? Or they're the the drummer or, yeah. you know, if they're super, you know, introverted, you know, or maybe, no, not the drummer, but the bassist. If they're super introverted, sometimes they're the bassist. I guess it just depends, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so I like to ask those kind of quirky questions yeah. about my kids. That's a good one. Um and then this year I asked for pronouns, you know, because increasingly I see students yep. who are gender fluid or who are, you know, um, asexual is not the right word. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, non-bi- not, non-binary? Non-binary. Thank you. Um, I've had several students in the last few years yeah. who, you know, express 
as non-binary. And so I want to make sure that, you know, I honor that um, and, and tell them, Hey, you know, please let me know if it's okay for me to use these pronouns with you, you know, and actually I'm going to follow up with those if I see them, Yeah, you know, because if, because if they want to be called by those pronouns at school, but not, and aren't called them at home, you know, got to make sure that, you know, that we're, we're communicating, I guess, clearly, you know, and, and making sure that other people in the classroom respect that too. Yeah. It's a, I asked that question a couple of years ago. I've been, that's added to mine, but um, I I was noted that Kelly Cluthy commented on Twitter that she said, Gen Z work, Gen Z has been doing a lot of pronoun work in the last year. (laughs) I think it was her tweet. And I was like, Oh, it makes me wonder because it's a question I think I've had the last definitely the last two years I've asked it mm-hmm. and everybody and again I deal with a mix of younger students and older students and I think that mm-hmm. with older students you're more likely in my personal experience to get that that feedback than yes. your freshman sophomores it's it's a it's not unusual it's it's not it's not that you never get that it's just less common more yeah, common well, and it may and not seniors. be on their radar yeah, just yet absolutely. right like they they probably haven't really thought about mm-hmm. it too much yeah you know, or they're thinking about it and don't know where they are. don't have that comfort level yeah. yet. Yeah. Right. And so it, I guess it just really depends, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, regardless of where they are on that, that spectrum of knowing and being, you know, being comfortable with whatever identity they, they have chosen to, to identify as, yeah. you know, I just want to know, Hey, what do I call you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, how do I address you? Because I want to make sure that, you know, I respect whatever you want to be called. Yeah, I and however you want to be called. And I haven't hit it yet with the 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 family dynamic issue. Um, and that's that right. is something I've it's something I've been thinking about. So I've asked that question for the last couple of years, and I've always wondered mm-hmm. how to then navigate. You know, if there is a discrepancy or they're, they're in the current struggle, um, I actually right. have a uh, a former student who is now in college who. Um, who is who is trans? Who is who's changed um, gender identity since leaving high school? Um, and somebody st- who I still communicate with on a regular basis um, sends mm-hmm. emails, um, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, and, and but that happened after they left school, and so it's right. not something that. I never, and it was not something that I was like necessarily aware of, and it wasn't something that I asked back then. Um, it was, you know, it was one of those cases where like these, the, the understanding and awareness by me as a person and my own growth and development, I wasn't as like, I feel like I'm asking questions and just like in good science, I ask some questions that I don't know the answers to. Um, but I, I don't know what that next question is yet. And so at some right. point I'm going to get those, you know, all right, how do we navigate this thing? And it, but it has been something I've been thinking about. Um, I asked, what did I ask last year? Last year I gave them one of those, um, you know, uh, those uh, chaotic good to chaotic evil uh, sandwich mm-hmm. uh, boards, like the nine boxes. Yes. And it was like, uh-huh. you know, like the platonic sandwich versus I think it was like a, a Choco Taco was like the chaotic evil 
um, of it. And it was like, is a burrito a sandwich? Is a hot dog a sandwich? And I asked the kids, right. which of these are sandwiches? Um, and then I, you know, I gave the kids could select which ones are like, like that. And then I asked them to express their opinions. And it was just funny. Like the conversations of the kids were like, anybody who calls this a sandwich, it's like, it's just, you know, it's like a sociopath or something like that. You get a go. <laughs> anybody who calls a hot dog a sandwich is a sociopath. I got that from one of my kids last year. And I was like, all right. That's I've learned a lot about you. This question there, but um, I like the band. I like the band question because I think that's a, yeah, that's a def. Yeah, because I think it's really, I think it's really telling. Yeah. you know how they choose to answer it. Yeah, I always ask them about like if we're going to put together a music playlist for the for the class, what would you put on there? Um, and mm. I get, I, I that's a, something I've asked the last couple of years. Um, and it just tells me that that's a good question. Yeah, the kids have terrible taste in music. Um, <laughs> 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 just the I don't doubt that. Yeah. My sister, my sister's a my sister's a musicologist, and you know me. Like I know my music, and right. I'm, I'm I know what's out there. Like, and I'll tell you what. Any kid says they, they like Olivia Rodrigo. I'm totally down with that. Like, she's got it. Like, I can get it. You're like, she's a mm-hmm. she is totally a Gen Z that is the child of Gen Xers. Like, you could totally take her songs and drop all of them into the Reality Bites soundtrack, and it would like mm-hmm. flow like no problem. Like, that's right there. But <laughs> so, yeah, I was gonna say I recently uh, downloaded Dayglow's album, oh, okay. the last two albums that they put out. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Very cursory, yeah. I, I. So, so yeah, I read a story about the kid who kid. Oh my God, he's 21 years That's old. A kid. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's a kid. He's definitely a child, um, or at least to me, he is. Um, and about how, you know, he grew up outside of Fort Worth and, you know, taught himself as, you know, self-taught musician, mm-hmm. you know, using GarageBand, mm-hmm. you know, to make music, went to UT to get a degree in, I think, marketing or something like that. And, you know, decided, you know what, this is just, I don't know if this is working for me. You know, I, I really love making music and I'm starting to get gigs. And so, you know, this, the story that was in Texas Monthly was basically you know, he, he had to approach his parents and tell them, yeah, so I don't know if I want to continue going to school. And his parents were like, yeah, you should probably drop out (laughs) (laughs) because at that point he had played, um, I think it was South by Southwest and a couple of other festivals and they could see that he was becoming very successful. And, and they were like, yeah, you should probably drop out of school. (laughs) Well, that's, that's like, uh, Sarah Silverman, Sarah Silverman went Mm -hmm. to, I think NYU, um, and her then said to her dad that like, I think I want to become like a full-time stand-up comedian. And she's like, he's like, well, why don't you just drop out of school and I'll pay your, your, uh, rent, like, you know, like you're going to college, um, and you can just mm-hmm. go get gigs and stuff like that. It's like, cause it was like, I'm spending like, that is not a bad deal. Yeah, cause, well, cause you got to figure that they probably were spending $30,000 a year on, yeah. on college tuition. And rent was probably a lot cheaper yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at the time. Just go, go do the comedy club thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I know that we're both looking forward to, I know that you do the, you mentioned the Oreo uh, double stuff Oreos. Yeah. Do they have I was going to say, stuff? we're doing that tomorrow, yeah. actually. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Because we want to, we want to grab them. Yeah. You know, we want to grab them and, and get them hooked and go, okay, yeah, AP bio can actually be a lot of fun. Yeah. And yes, you're going to do some math and it's not scary. I promise. Yeah. You know, I haven't, but we like to have fun. I haven't figured my AP hook yet, but um, I know that you you play with the algae research supply companies. That have you played with? Gonna those start yet? doing it this yeah. year, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so I'm gonna do. So I did a few years ago mini terrariums with uh, brine shrimp, 
And I had mm-hmm. done them with an aquatic plant, but what I really wanted is algae. So I actually today set up in my classroom a four liter algae uh, tank. Nice. And I gave some small containers of algae to my new cooperative teacher who I'm going to work with in honors. And we're going to build, I'm going to basically give all students a 50 mil tube that has either just algae in it, mm-hmm. algae and two brine shrimp, algae and four brine shrimp, algae and eight brine shrimp. Oh, Every kid cool. in the room is going to get one of those and they're going to be labeled by group. So it's going to be like 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D. And we're going to do that like, and you know, do like a, what do you notice? What do you wonder? Mm-hmm. Kind of activity with that right out of the bat. But then there's a carrying capacity algae at lab and we do ecology to start with our honors kids. Okay. So then we'll okay. do that as our opening hook day. And then like I'll have the little secchi discs that they can drop in and, and, nice. and measure the, you know, measure the algae growth like that way or the turbidity differences that way. Um, and I'm going to do that as sort of my day one hook and sort of see, get into a little bit of basic modeling, you know, like, you know, what do you see? What do you think's going on here? But then use that sort of a foundation for the ecology interactions because mm-hmm. it's got a ton of stuff in there. So um, and then ultimately, hopefully do the carrying capacity lab with them um, so they Very can design cool. that. So that's going to be a hook. So I've never done it before. I've got a setup next to my counter over there and my grow light. I have a grow light at home. So nice. um, I'm going to try to work out that I'm in the process of writing up the the procedure of that. But um, yeah, just like you had said before we started recording, you know, Brad Williamson and his antlions day one, give them some, give them a living mm-hmm. thing and make them like, what's going on in here? And yeah, I, think- I was going to say, and I've got, you know, my husband, built a plant cart for me. You know, I had one in boxes in the, in the storeroom for ages. And we finally, you know, I finally bribed him into coming to school with me Saturday to build it. And I mean, that thing is a monster. I was not expecting it to be quite so big, but it's huge. And so I've got my two, um, briny, brainy beaker bag. That's what they're called. Um, from algae research supply. And in one of them, you know, I've got the the culture with nanochloropsis. Yep. And in the other one, I had some chlorella. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to dump this chlorella in here and see what happens, <laughs> you know, with the brine shrimp. And I'm not going to lie to you. At first, it was like super bubbly and all of this because it was producing so much oxygen. And now, and there was there were several brine shrimp that had grown to full maturity and, mm-hmm. and all of this. But what I'm noticing is that there aren't as many shrimp in there. As there are in the other can, culture. Can the chlorella survive in the salt? It's managed to survive so far, oh. which is odd because I didn't think it would. Yeah, that was my, that was like, my first thought. Hmm. But it might be, that might account yeah. for the difference though in concentrations. Yeah. That they don't, they don't yeah. do quite as well um, in the higher yeah. salt. So it's, it's, I mean, it's been a fun little experiment to try, Yeah, you know, because, but I am seeing some shrimp. So maybe those little guys are better you know, adapted for lower concentrations of oxygen. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to playing with it. I mean, I'm a big model organism guy, so I love playing with these type of things. Mm -hmm. And um, I am also designing a science research course that's going to be launched, not this September, but the following September. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I need to come up with a, like something that we do to start the year that I can use as sort of like a platform of like, here's mm-hmm. how, here are some of the processes that we do if we want to design an experiment and how I go about doing this and sort of model some stuff. And um, my my oldest did a science fair project when he was a sophomore in high school, which was all about Brian Tripp. It was great. It was his idea. I'm still mad at him that he'd ever entered it into the science fair because it was a, <laughs> it was like, it was like 
dude, this chi-square data is so good. It was about like brine shrimp and their attraction to different um, types of plastic in the water. So oh, it was like okay. a phenomenal, and he got all these different types of plastic and he did basically mm -hmm. the like fruit fly chamber tube. He got a glass tube mm -hmm. and rubber stoppers and put brine shrimp in the thing and then put a light over the thing and put different plastics on the end, hooked on the ends, and then did chi-square data on all these different types of plastics and saw which ones there were and had scientific background as to why and how it relates to ecology and how it was like this enormous, it was a great project. He did great in school on it, but he should have ended in the science fair. And I'm like, yeah, like, I was going to say it would have been a fantastic it, science it was fair a project. It was having worked with students on publications. It was a publishable like authentic. It was a really great project, but mm -hmm. the idea is I learned a lot about growing brine shrimp that year because I helped him keep them alive. I didn't, right. I didn't mess with his project. I mean, I helped him like do the stats. Like when he's like, does this make sense? I was like, yeah, he doesn't need my help in math. The kid can do more math than me has been able to do. <laughs> oh, he's going to go major in math at college. Like he didn't need my help, but I helped him keep the living things alive and I helped mm -hmm. them feed them. Um, but uh, yeah, it was great. But it, gave me the idea of, oh, what are, I'm thinking about using something like this as a model system to start the year in a research course, because I want to have these things. Um, and we do a lot of other things and this is just a little bit different. So I'm, I'm hoping to get excited about that. So, uh, Very cool. yeah. And I'm, I, I have not figured out what we're going to do as our AP hook, but I don't, I, I'm not pressed. I don't, I'm not 14 hours from this. I was going to say, you got, you got, you got three, got three weeks. <laughs> and again, I also don't know all the rules. Like, what are my rules? Right. Yeah, I used exactly. to do some stuff with some food, but I, well, like, that's certainly not happening this year in the room. So, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. All right. We'll see how that goes tomorrow. Yeah. That's another thing. <laughs> we'll see how that goes tricky. tomorrow. All right. Well, so. the last thing I want to talk about uh, is ideas for podcasts for the upcoming year. We do have a couple of people I've, um, I have not, I've been a little bit of a slacker. I said I was going to reach out to some former people and see if they want to get in. Um, I do have a couple people who, when I posted up onto, uh, I think, a Facebook group, I did have a couple people express interest. So um, I am going to include those in and we'll see what it goes on. And I, But I figure I want to start building a calendar of things to work on. So um, some ideas I've come up with, the things that we could talk about this year. I don't know if you've got any other ideas, but... Um, Definitely, I want to talk about IEPs, 504s, accommodations at some point during the yes. year. Um, I think both from a like reading them and like translation. I also know there's e having worked in different schools, enormous variation on how schools handle these things. Mm -hmm. But just the concept of like, what is an accommodation versus like a sort of the UDL kind of idea? Um, mm -hmm. Because like for me... Um, let me let me say this in a critiquing myself kind of way. I think for a long time early in my career, I sort of patted my back under a like uh, like, oh, look at me. I make like I have all of these things for all of my students. They I don't need to worry about what's in their IEP accommodations because all the things that are in there, I allow all my other students to do. And um I think that was a bit of a cop-out. Like, I don't know that it really was true. The more UDL stuff I've looked at, the more I realized, oh no, you were not really doing UDL. You thought you were, but you really mm -hmm. weren't. And how is it? And it's not to say that I wasn't meeting the accommodations, but just because the you you meet the most common two or three accommodations for your typical population does not mean you're doing UDL. I guess that would be the best right. way of saying it. And I've become aware of that. Um, over the last few years. And so I definitely want to think sort of the accommodations versus UDL. Um, 
yeah. Uh, other ones. Um, and I know that you have, although I don't know if you've had a chance to finish after the mask yet. Right. No, I haven't yet. So, um, and I, that was our last uh, solo. I didn't assign you that homework to read the book and interview the others. <laughs> but um, at the end of it, there's this whole uh, series of evaluation questions in the appendix um, as part of their mm-hmm. student evaluations. And they have all these great questions and they have them designed as sort of pre-evaluation, unit evaluations, post-evaluations for their SEAL ambassadors program. Um, and I have not gotten through all of these, but they have things like uh, surveying your students to say, in general, I see how things uh, I am learning in this class are relevant to the real world. Do you strongly agree, <laughs> disagree, undecided agree, strongly agree? But they also have things like, um, I can always manage to solve difficult problems if I try hard enough. Uh I can solve most problems if I invest the necessary effort. Thanks to my resourcefulness, I know how to handle unforeseen situations. When I'm confronted with a problem, I can usually find several solutions. If I'm in trouble, I can usually think of a solution. Uh, if I feel, um, I feel that I have a good, uh, a number of good qualities. All in all, I am inclined to feel um, that I am a failure. I am able to do mm. things as well as most other people. And these are things that you would say strongly agree, agree, disagree, strongly disagree. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of this idea of like, how do we build this into the work that we do? Not so much that it's like we're doing our self-efficacy work. <laughs> it's not self-efficacy work day, but like little, right. little like check Yeah, I was going to say, because there's, there's little things that you can do to kind of build that stuff as you go along. Yeah. And, you know, so I want to let you catch up and not that you don't have a million things on your plan, but I definitely want to talk <laughs> with maybe sometime later in the year and as maybe a larger panel of people who've read the book to come in and just talk yeah, like, what do we think about this? Because I don't think these are right. things that we're going to necessarily nail and be incorporating heavily this year. Uh, right. But I think it's something to build as we move forward. Right. And, and at my school, that's actually... Um, one of the focuses of our, you know, return to learn, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, you know, they're they're really focusing on kids' social and emotional needs mm-hmm. and and that learning piece. And so, you know, we've been encouraged to kind of build those things in as we go. And so one of the things I did um, in preparation for school, and I don't know, did I tweet a picture of it? I don't remember. Um, I, I created, you know, because I've finally unboxed the cameo cutter that I bought a while back (laughs) and started playing with it. And now I can't stop. Um, And I created little decals for the desks. And so they have little phrases like, I'm an amazing human. Mm -hmm. I believe in myself. I, you can do the, you can do hard things and you got this as every, at every desk, every kid have his, has a seat that says that and says one of those four things. Um, and so, you know, I, cause I figure if they see it enough, <laughs> maybe they'll come to believe yeah. it, <laughs> you know, maybe they will come to believe it and, and all of that. And then at the front of my room, I've got posters that say things like, I am confident. I, um, strive to improve myself. I, um, truth is important to me. Um, I'm trying to remember what all they say. I think I've got a, it's a series of about the 10 different posters that say all of these kind of positive self-affirming messages you know and then just in conversation with students you know just things that i say to them and yeah and and stuff like that you know hey you know one of the most common things i say especially when we when we have you know things that are difficult that we're doing is like look you know i have confidence in you i need you to have the same confidence that i have in you yeah you know 
um, just little things like that. So that's that's a big focus of our of our that was a focus of our professional learning, um, you know, this past week and and has been something we've worked on for the last couple of years. But it's been really, you know, they've really kind of pushed it this year because we do have all these kids that are yeah. coming back to campus after having been isolated. Yeah. You know, for, you know, in some cases, some of these kids were at home all year long last year. And depending on how, you know, their parents handled things, they were either never allowed to leave the house mm -hmm. or allowed to run freely, just <laughs> depending on how parents handled things. Yeah. Um, and so we have to be, you know, prepared for any eventuality, yeah. you know, in terms of what our student students are coming back to us with in terms of their mental health. Yeah. Well, and you know? I think it's really scary to ask kids about their mental health in these ways. Like, but just because it could be scary and that like finding out the answer is a like if you get kids and I can imagine kids I've had the last few years, if I ask them a lot of these questions, particularly early in the year and they're like, they disagree with all of these confidence state. They're very down on themselves to start. Right. Like I have a lot of kids who have a lot of self doubt and have a lot of those things. Like if you get that information, like, well, now what do we do? <laughs> like, yeah, what, do you do with it? what do you do with that? And that's a, but I think not knowing that the head in the sand is not the approach that we should take. The truth is, no. but the truth is, is that's sort of how we've handled, you know, that's how we've handled student self-confidence. Like we've done it yeah. in a non-metricsy kind of way. Like we don't have any mm -hmm. metrics on it. So we're just gonna, nope. we're just, there's no data. We're not gonna, we're not gonna <laughs> ask. It's a, we have a don't ask, don't tell social emotional uh, policy <laughs> at the school. So yeah, I, I definitely am going to start thinking, and I've actually been thinking about dropping a handful of those questions from that sort of pre-assessment into my getting to know you survey, just like mm -hmm. in the middle, <laughs> like this one and this one and this one. Yeah, I was going to say, and I don't think there's any harm in asking maybe one at a time. Yeah, yeah. Those questions. Oh, and I'm not going to do you 25. Know, because you, yeah. It's just something, oh gosh, no. <laughs> No, but I think it would be helpful, you know, to just see, okay, kind of, to, it's kind of to take a pulse, yeah, you know? Yeah, baseline. You yeah. know, just to kind of see where are these kids at. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's any harm in that at no, all. No, I'm going to start that. Yeah. And so a couple of other things I was thinking, how do you uh, collaboratively plan with colleagues? Uh, like, how do you mm -hmm. do that? Um, as I have a new colleague who's come to the school and I've, you know, been meeting with her casually here or there over the summer and talking about sort of design and I... I have worked with the same colleague for 20 years, uh, more than 20 years, and uh, we're like an old married couple. And so I often get like, how do you guys do, how, like, how do you do this thing that you do? And it's like, it was not easy. It took time. We built trust. We worked. But um, yeah. it, it's something that I have learned how to do, but I don't know how to describe it very well. And I feel like as somebody who does this, yeah. I should be better at like unpacking it a little bit. And I don't know that I, mm -hmm. I, I know some of the elements of it, but I would also like to hear from people, other people who work collaboratively. Yeah. How, how do you, how do you play? I mean, and I've done it for the last eight years, yeah. but I would like to hear how other people do yeah. it. Yeah. And I know, you know, and I think a lot of people just don't do it. Like they work with people, yeah. they work with people who are like-minded and that's it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they disagree yeah. with somebody, they don't work with them. Or they work in isolation. Or they work, yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the bad things about teaching is that it is a very insular profession. Yeah. You know, it, it tends to become an insular profession. And I think that that does a lot more harm than good. Yeah. I, you know, I agree. not just to teachers, but also to students. Yeah. yeah. I, I was know? describing this to the, my colleague. It was like, 
you have autonomy to go do what you do. But I, if you think there's something that you want to do that's better than what I've listed here, you need to tell me so I can get better. Like, mm-hmm. like if you have something that's going to work better at teaching your students this concept than what I have proposed here, then don't hold on to it. Like, I want to know what is that thing. Um, and then uh, the thing that we talked about uh, uh, with Johanna over the summer um uh, I actually I should say Johanna rhymes with Montana. I messed it up here. Uh, Johanna <laughs> design does I see I have to go back to it every time. Uh, but uh, the concept of designing revision into your curriculum, like designing opportunities mm-hmm. for revision into your curriculum, uh, is something that I've seen opportunities in here. But it's something I also would like to unpack and hear how other people do it. Um, is definitely right. something I would love to do. Did you have any? Uh, I know like this is too much mental thinking of being in the school year. But anything else jump out at you? <laughs> Uh, um, I guess what would be really interesting to see is if there are anybody who teaches, you know, cross-curricular, um, you know, cross-curricular with other, with say electives and stuff, you know, like, I think it would be insanely fun to, to do a cross-curricular series of lessons with the culinary teacher. You know, because there is so much biology and chemistry in cooking and, and eating, you know, why not? I think it would be a lot of fun. And if there's anybody out there that does that kind of stuff, I think that would be amazing. Yeah, I know. One person comes to mind that I interviewed, I know, who works in a school that they've been opening that up um, and doing stuff like that. But I could could reach out to her and see if I can pull in some of her teachers that do cross-curricular stuff. So, Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, as I had promised to many of the two of us talking, uh, we talked for a half an hour before we started recording and then we recorded for an hour. It never happens. <laughs> I was going to say mini. Yeah. No. But, uh, but <laughs> listeners, if you're interested in joining the panel or being a guest or proposing a topic, uh, please DM me um, on Twitter at Mr. Matthew Tweets or at Life of the School. Um, I'm pretty easy to find. Um, and also for our, our credits, um, you can subscribe to Life of the School on your podcast player of choice. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash lots. We love our patrons. They are the ones who buy headsets for people and uh, help <laughs> help defray, uh, help defray uh, costs of posting media and that sort of stuff. And so that's at patreon.com slash lots. I do early releases of episodes for my Patreons. I also put up show notes there. Um, music is provided by uh, X Magicians and Jake Jenkins. Um, you can also get show notes on lifeoftheschool.org. And uh, I did update my episode lists for the summer. I hadn't updated my episode list all year. Uh, I posted the new episodes, but I hadn't updated the episode list tab until like uh, the end of June. <laughs> you could tell it was a long year, uh, but I did like a whole year all yeah. there. Uh, and also you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Matthew Tweets um, or at Life of the School. You can follow Lee at the Biospace, right? Yeah. At the bio space. That is correct. All right. Well, that's our mini, non-mini episode uh, for the end of the summer, beginning of the school year. And uh, we'll see you in September. Bye.